Welcome to Holistic Accountant Podcast, where we aim to showcase how adopting a holistic approach in accounting and tax maximizes value for clients. Beyond traditional tasks like preparing financial statements and tax returns, a holistic accountant focuses on offering advice that maximizes personal wealth on an after-tax basis. If you enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a rating and sharing it with those who might also benefit. And to ensure you stay updated, subscribe to our weekly email. The link is in the show notes. Okay, today, Mina, I'd like to talk about investment property ownership. You know, how do you own it? Do you own it in an entity in personal names? And, you know, what are some of the considerations? Of course, everyone's situation is going to be different. It really does depend on your tax position, on other assets, you know, and how you own those other assets. There's lots that go into it. There's probably five main considerations that are specific to that investment property. But of course, there could be additional considerations that are specific to your circumstances that need to take into account. But what we thought, what Mina and I thought is, let's let's talk about those five considerations that would typically weigh up. And then we can talk about generically how most clients own their investment properties and why. So the first consideration is income tax. And quite often, negative gearing is advertised as a benefit of investing in property. Negative gearing is essentially means that you can offset the loss that the property makes because often the interest cost is going to be uh, much higher than the net rental income and therefore it will make a income loss. Uh, and so negative gearing is really the ability for you to offset that income loss against other taxable income, thereby reducing your overall tax. The thing to note with negative gearing compared to all the other tax attributes is that an, a dollar saved in tax today is more valuable than a dollar saved 20 years from now, just because of the purchasing power of money obviously gets reduced over time because of inflation. So actually the negative gearing benefits, again, purely from a, a planning and financial planning perspective, uh, are quite valuable, so it's important to maximise them. Uh, the second tax is capital gains tax, or CGT. Now, in personal names, if, if you have it in, in your name and you're at the highest marginal tax rate, the highest tax you'll ever pay is 23.5%, which is basically your, you know, the, the 50% discount that you get for holding the property for more than 12 months, multiplied by your marginal tax rate of the 47-odd percent. So it's, it's important that if you can actually spread the asset between multiple individuals, you might benefit um, greater from the tax benefits of CGT. So be, because when you sell a property, you've got to sell it as a whole. You can't, you can't break it off and sell pieces of it. You crystallize a large part, capital gain in one year. So if you can spread it across multiple individuals, so for example yourself and your partner, you might mitigate some of those taxes. The next uh, consideration is land tax because different entities will attract different rates of land tax in many states. Uh, land tax is a bit insidious in that you know the, your land tax liability when you first invest in a property might actually be zero, might be nil. So, so it might not be even a consideration. However, if you buy the right type of asset, and to my mind the right type of asset is a asset that has a really strong land value component that's going to drive a lot of capital growth, it means that ultimately you're going to end up with quite a high amount of land value and therefore attract more land tax. 
So it's something, it's just only one of many factors to take into account, but we really want to understand how land tax behaves in different entities. And in some states, for example, putting a property in a family trust attracts a whole lot more land tax than owning it personally. And the problem is that once you, if you don't realise that at the outset, uh, the only time you're going to learn about this is when it's too late, you know, maybe in 10 or 20 years' time when you end up with a huge tax bill and there's nothing you can do about it because if you sell the property at that stage, then you've got to pay a lot of capital gains tax. So making sure that you weigh up you know, short, medium and longer term tax consequences when considering ownership entities is really important. Establishing your intention um, for the property before purchasing it is, in, is is really crucial because obviously trying to change the ownership structure after the property is purchased, you're going to obviously crystallise the capital gain and pay stamp duty again and so forth. So establishing what you want to do with the property in the first instance is is crucial. So for example, if it's if it's going to be your main residence, you know typically we would put that in individual names because we don't want to you know, uh, forego the main residence exemption. It's not available in, in trusts or companies or anything else. So we'll, we'll typically put that in a um, in individual names. Whereas, for example, if I want to buy a property, knock it down and be, build three units, and I want to sell those units, then we'll likely put it in a corporate structure, whether it be a company or a trust, because that provides us with the flexibility to disperse those profits to multiple beneficiaries. The final considerations, uh, and I will just group these in sort of one group. But uh, there's cash flow considerations. So how does you know how do different entities behave from a cash flow perspective? Obviously, if we're going to invest in property, we want to be able to afford the investment, of course, and, and enjoy the tax benefits. Uh, asset protection can be a consideration again, depending on. Uh, whether if you own or, own or operate a business uh, and or depending on your occupation, you might have certain asset protection considerations. And finally, estate planning. So if this is an asset that's likely to be a surplus asset for which you, you either want to bequeath or leave in your will uh, to, to some alternate beneficiaries, uh, that's something that we want to consider in terms of how we're going to hand over control or pass on this asset and hopefully do that while avoiding any stamp duty and capital gains tax. So they're the five considerations, income tax, capital gains tax, uh, land tax, your intention with the property, and then the the other matters that I just discussed. I think now, Mina, it'd be good just to talk generically about, you know, how, how do we, or, or at least maybe in uh, most circumstances, how do some of our clients own their investment properties? So 95% of our clients will, will typically recommend that the the ownership of their property is, is held in their personal names for a couple of reasons. First is that it's for long-term holding or capital growth. So we want to benefit from the negative gearing. And as Stuart mentioned previously, uh, you know, a dollar of tax save today is worth a lot more than in 20 years' time. Secondly, and more often than not, it's a, it's a main residence. So we want to benefit from the main residence exemption. In that remaining 5%, we'll typically look at corporate structures. Um, so, for example, like I mentioned, if you're looking at doing you know, doing a development or you might have a corporate beneficiary where you know, you've parked some funds and we want to benefit from using the, those funds to, to purchase a property. Or the, finally is the self-managed super fund. So, you know, it's a, it's a common sort of theme these days where, you know, people like to set up self-managed super funds to, to purchase property. In. We typically recommend it for um, commercial properties such as when you want to buy your own business premises, for example, um, or, um, or be part of a, a property syndicate. 
that you know South Bank super funds tend to provide a great tax environment to save um, some significant taxes in the long run. Of course, it, it is uh, circumstantial. You know, we, your account, your holistic account, needs to understand your circumstances, your goals, your other assets, your tax position. There's so much that goes into it. But hopefully, this gives you a bit of an introduction to some of the factors that we consider. But of course, we strongly recommend you get your own personal advice. Okay, that's it for us this week. Bye for now. <laughs>